The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. They're tangling in the back of the pack. Here they come on four. Down to the strike. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be? Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? Where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Taylor Burris and Justin Prince. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the iRacers Download. Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosby Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. My name's Justin Prince. Taylor Burris is away this week in Texas. Alongside me is my producer, Richard Colbrett. It's been a very busy time leading into episode 60, the iRacers download across the virtual service with plenty of different series and plenty of special events coming across the platform. To start things off, one of the biggest talking points when it came to the past week across the iRacing service was a special event organized by Blake McCandless representing and organizing and raising funds for the Junior Foundation, the Dale Junior Foundation, the Rockingham 508. Blake McCandless joins us on this week's edition of the iRacers Download to talk about those efforts. Blake, the action was very packed when it came to the 1987 cars at Rockingham on iRacing this past week. How are you feeling about how things went for you this past week? Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me, Justin. But yeah, I feel I, I feel amazing about how things turned out with that uh, whole event. Um, everything from the heats to the race itself went really smooth. I think drivers got a really fun experience uh, being able to drive, you know, like you said, the 87 cars, which are so difficult and so tough at a track that's notorious for being uh, really, really difficult. We had a great crop of drivers that came out and were up for the challenge and uh, were, were up to doing it for a good cause as well. So we got to fit everything into one. We had a great uh, broadcast crew come out and, and be able to, to put on a great show for for it and to do it for a great cause and put on a really thrilling race that really wasn't decided until the very end. It just all it just all came together and uh, I couldn't be any more pleased with how it went. I'm really really happy that uh, everything came together like it did. It was an action-packed night it seemed, especially when it comes to a lot of the battles and the heats leading up to it the night before. For those interested, first things first, the event in turn raised more than $1700, Blake. How do you feel about that impact, be able to raise that much funds for charity for the Dale Jr. Foundation with all the efforts that seem to come in at rapid pace from plenty of different sponsors, including musician Drew Parker, as well as several media outlets? Yeah, I think ever since we announced this event, there, there's just a lot of friends and people I've met on here through the community uh, that were all just so willing to offer their help and support. Uh, I know we had a lot of great partners, Roaster Gems Coffee, Burnt Rubber Media, uh, Drew Parker Music, like you mentioned, uh, just a jar of racing on YouTube. There were just so many people who were willing to come out and, and, and just support a good cause. I mean, it, the whole idea of the event was that it was supposed to be for charity. I know we even had a voluntary entry fee. It was a minimum of $3, but we averaged about a 10 or $11 entry fee into the event. Um, I wasn't sure how many people were going to want to run because 500 laps at Rockingham is 
grueling and not easy, especially when you're you're willing these old Monte Carlos Thunderbirds and Buick LeSabers. Uh, it's a real challenge. So I, I was kind of curious to see what the turnout would be and we ended up filling up having over 120 people that wanted to support it and come out for it um, so just everything about it just w was spectacular uh, and the, the support that it showed and it was great that we were able to raise so much we, we had a 50% prize pool for the drivers uh, obviously we had our, our expenses for the broadcast and race control but otherwise everything uh, we did a 50-50 split for the foundation and of course the day of the race everything that was put towards the race went to the foundation so we were able to get a lot of contributions the night of the heats and the nights of the race to to you know get that total that we had 1700 i know and that was just the total that was sent in through the event i know garrett smithley was able to stream the event and i think he chipped in another 350 bucks i know anthony alfredo did some on his stream as well um so there there's even more to that total than just what was sent in through the event so i think we it may have been close to about two grand or a little over uh that was contributed so just feel awesome about that to be able to support a cause and and, and to support vehicles on the sim that I'm very passionate about. I know everybody kind of has, this is what's great about iRacing, everybody has kind of their niche or their uh, little vehicle that they enjoy. And for me, it's it's the 87 cars. So to be able to showcase that and hopefully help generate some passion and some excitement around that, uh, the whole thing all together, it was just uh, really well how it came together. There was a lot of excitement, absolutely. And the interesting thing is, originally the concept was 600 miles believe it was reported by kicking the tires one of the supporters for the event that it was dale jr who suggested that reduction to about that 500 lap total is that correct uh, that is correct i kind of put the idea out this whole event started really a as a as a tweet that was kind of meant to be a joke or or not so serious i was just throwing it out there to gauge any type of interest i wasn't sure how much there would be but yeah the the first thing i threw out on twitter uh, about a month and a half or so ago was he would be interested in doing a 650 mile or 600 I think it was 650 laps and 660 miles or something like that event at Rockingham and um, obviously I think people were a little alarmed by that but uh, Dale saw it on Twitter and responded uh, with you know 500 miles uh 87 cars fixed set up and of course anytime he says something like that you gain a little bit of interest in it and people really rallied kind of behind his idea and you know i had to be a little unique we went 508 miles not 500 so we were able to we were able to put our own unique twist on it but yeah he, he was a big part of kind of setting the the foundation for what it would be um and then once that was put out there i think uh you know i can't it kind of forced my hand i had to try to put something together and come up with an idea so the next Day. We went to work and, uh, you know, put the rule book together, the format idea, pitched it to a couple people, and they seemed to be, you know, really enthused by it. So we decided to, to go full send for it. It was absolutely full send for some of the team throughout the action. And we'll be discussing things with the race winner by the end of the night, Ryan Doucette, later on in this edition of the iRacers Download. How would, did you feel? The whole progression of the racing went with the heats to be able to get in and then the 500 laps in total to get to the checkered flag. 
Well, a lot went into the whole event together from from a driving perspective. Uh, I, I know I uh, I'm very passionate about the 87 cars. I run them a lot on the service, so a lot of work went in on my end uh, to try to build a setup that you know was going to really race very well uh, to get the track to where it would be as challenging as possible without running quite into the the barrier of physics <laughs> with having a track that's too hot. We wanted the track to be slick. We wanted wanted it to be a challenge. We wanted to give drivers a setup that, you know, you weren't going to have to save the right front or be drifting on the right rear, that it was going to be a really neutral car to drive. So a lot of time uh, on my end went through that and having, again, people who are just as passionate about it, helping out and and getting to where we were comfortable uh, with, with the car and how it drove. And we had a lot of people. This is an event that wasn't going to attract everybody, Justin. It was an event that was meant for for people like me who love the challenge of the 87 cars, who want to experience uh, the grueling, you know, four, four and a half hour race that 500 laps of Rockingham would entail. Um, so we just, we just got a really good group who was committed to the, the to the idea. They weren't going to go out and be so worried about winning. Obviously, it's a competition, but everybody's sole focus was on the event itself, getting to the end, providing a good show, um, and, and providing good racing. And I think that's why the heats went along better than I expected. I was thinking when, when we're having to trim down a field of 120 entries down to about 40, or I think it was 41 exactly, uh, you are you know, there's going to be a little bit of, of good competition and aggressiveness and, and wrecks and all those things, but the heats really surpassed my expectations and, and then the race itself. I mean, we went, I think, 120 laps to open the race uh, without a caution, and just overall we saw a lot of strategy being able to play out and uh, everybody drove the race so well, even beyond what I was expecting. So uh, overall, it was uh, it was a really cool experience to see how much fun the drivers had. That was the worst part of this event for me personally was watching how much fun it was <laughs> to drive the car and have to sit there and watch it. So uh, maybe if we do something again like this in the future, uh, I'll have to find a way to get behind the wheel. But that was that was probably the biggest thing I didn't like about it was having to sit there and watch everybody drive because uh, you know I I still have that competitive fire in me. I wish I could gone out there and you know shaking it up with some of the some of the good drivers that we had and the one thing that went under the radar kind of entering the day was it was also your birthday was it not uh, yeah, it was my birthday. Uh, when we when we put everything together, uh, we, we you know we had the idea of getting as many drivers as possible. But we also wanted uh, because it was for charity, we wanted you know a little bit of the the marketing and the attraction around the event to be able to race with drivers. Uh, we were able to have four drivers who volunteered their own time, were going out of their way to make the event happen. So I'm very grateful to uh, to Anthony Alfredo, Garrett Smithley, Landon Castle, and of course Dale Earnhardt Jr. who you know put aside their time to help put this on and we're committed uh, to the idea from the get-go so uh, we had those four drivers locked in and you know kind of the draw of the of the event was not only were you going to be able to compete, but you, but you were able to race with them. Uh, but yeah, uh, we put it on my birthday, and really that was just as simple as you know, <laughs> asking the, or kind of collecting from those four drivers. Hey, what would be a what would be a good time? What would be a good date? And the 18th just so happened to be that date. So I guess I got to you know celebrate a birthday and watch an iRacing event all in the same day. It was in a unique event to say the very least, and. I hope to see this event continue on in the future. What are the future plans then for events? Because you alluded to possible plans in the upcoming 
time, especially since you've got a lot of things in the works. Uh, the, well, the idea right now uh, is to kind of, I guess, take a step back and just evaluate. I know we have the Firecracker 400 coming up that E-Racer's putting on. That'll go off in about a month and a half or so, and that's a, that's probably the biggest sim race of the year. Uh, and those are with the 87 cars at Daytona. That's such a fun event. And Landon Parker, Josh Mendoza, everybody at E-Racer does a tremendous job making that event feel special and the nostalgia of it and having a, a big challenge to try to make it to that race out of almost 400 people that, that register for it and sign up. So, um, but I, I do want to have events every couple of months or so. I think this is the way that this car is going to be relevant on the service and people are going to see it and enjoy it uh, is to have these type of events come out every couple of months to go to racetracks that may maybe aren't always in the mainstream and but can provide some great racing. So uh, for now, we're going to sit back. We're going to watch the Firecracker. We're going to enjoy that, but we're going to look uh, probably somewhere around the fall at, at some venues on iRacing, do a little bit of testing and find out what would be another great racetrack. Because uh, Rockingham, it was just... Rockingham's so perfect. Everything about that track, the way we rubbered up the racetrack, you could run the bottom, you could run the top, the way the track changed throughout the race, it just was almost, you, you couldn't have imagined it being any better. So to find another venue on the service, so it will take some time uh, to see you know, what, what track would provide some great racing. I know we have a couple ideas in mind right now, um, but I, I can't say for certain what the plans are, but certainly want to put something together uh, to keep these events going. And, and who knows, maybe we'll have a, a four or five race championship that we'll set up in 2023 uh, if it comes to that. So either way, uh, I'm looking forward to it, but I uh, haven't really zeroed in on an exact track yet, but we will be we will be using the 87 cars. That that's for certain, and uh, hopefully by the next one, maybe the Pontiac will be in it. Who knows? A little bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But thank you very much, Blake, for the time. Uh, thank you very much, Justin. And uh, again, everybody who put it on and you know went out and supported it. Uh, I know I've had a lot of questions. When's the next one coming or how can I get registered for the next one? Just uh, follow me on Twitter at Mr. F4 Speed. Uh, we'll be you know, tweeting updates and, and trying to get the word out there as best as we can. This this last event was very grassroots. We didn't do a ton of marketing behind it, um, but we still were we still were able to have a really good time. So that's probably the best way you can find out about when the next one's coming up. And, of course, stay tuned to that as well uh, for the Firecracker 400 because that should be a good, good, uh, good event as well. That's about a month and a half's time, give or take. Once again, that's Blake McCandless, the organizer of the Rockingham 508 supporting the Dale Jr. Foundation and raising, as he mentioned, an estimated total now approaching more than $2,000 throughout the span of this past week. When we come back on the iRacers Down, we'll be speaking with the race winner from that night, Ryan Doucette of Lunchuk Giantas Esports, joins us in just a moment. You're listening to the iRacers Download here on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosby Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Cronsu Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince with you along with the producer Richard Colbreth as we move things over within the Rockingham 508 to the driver who took the checker flag in the charity event where it was in the later stages dominated by a singular technical alliance. Launch Gialtis Sports had a dominating performance from the get-go with Michael Cozy Jr., 
But in the end, Ryan Doucette led from lap 474 all the way to the checkered flag to secure the victory. He and Cozy Jr. combined to lead 191 of the 500 laps at iRacing's virtual Rockingham Raceway just moments and days ago. With that, let's take the chance to talk to the race winner from that event. Ryan Doucette now joins us in the iRacers download. Ryan, absolutely big night for what could become a major staple event for the 1987 cars at Rockingham. How do you feel about winning the Marathon Charity Race this past week? Uh, it felt great. Um, I didn't really realize it in the moment, but it's probably my biggest win on iRacing to date, which is huge. And I'd love to see the event come back. It was a ton of fun. Um, it was a for we were racing for a great cause. A lot of participation from just iRacers in general, even NASCAR racers in real life. It was just an epic event. So to first discuss the results coming in, for those interested, it was Ryan Doucette, Michael Cozy Jr., the top two. Landon Castle finished in third. Ryan Blackford, David Brown, the top five. Matt Busa, Blake Reynolds, Kevin McAdams, Parker White, Kevin Champagne for the top ten at Rockingham. Talk us through that race night because it you started inside the top five, but it also took a bit of time to get to the race lead, it seemed, with some of the battling going on, but not just the pole center and Daniel Silvestri, but also Matt Busa trying things with strategy, but also looking strong for the get-go as he led 156 of the laps. Oh, yeah. Um, well, it was a grueling race. I mean, I was running up front for the beginning stint, and then a caution came out a little bit into the second stint and that kind of shuffled things up and a penalty got me stuck in the back and I didn't get back to the front until at least like the last hundred laps. And by then things had changed around a little bit. Matt Busa was probably the dominant force all rates and he was still up there, but cozy had worked his way up there and he hadn't really been up there in the beginning. And Parker white was another really fast guy that I had to work around yeah, Parker White from Norris Force indeed. And how would you describe that progression, though, to try and sort yourself to the race late? Because you mentioned some of the cautions and some of the troubles you had to get through penalty-wise early, but it was also the type of race where big ones were aplenty. Anthony Alfredo was in a big one at one point. Some of the other real-world drivers got collected in several different crashes. Yeah, speaking of Anthony Alfredo, while I was working my way through the field, um, I think I was up to like 10th and I got stuck behind two lap cars racing for position and I tried moving high and I got loose going into the corner and <laughs> accidentally like I sent him into a half spin. I hit the wall and at that point in the race, I think this was around 150 laps in. I kind of had to take a deep breath. I was telling myself there's still a long way to go in this thing. And from then on, I just kind of focused big picture, take spots as they come. We'll get a long run eventually. And that's when I really was making up a lot. A lot of my track position was on the long runs. How would you describe your team's preparation entering the night to make sure your team was all systems go for the green flag, whether it was during the heat races the pr night prior or whether it was for the main event of itself? I don't know if I can really speak for Cozy, but 
and I'm sure he practiced a lot too, but I practiced a good two, three hours the night before the race doing long runs. Long runs were big because you needed to know how the tires were going to wear. Um, that's the setup melted tires. Uh, it 50 laps and you're, if you drove the car wrong, your right rear would be gone. So you really had to baby the tires and that was a massive portion of the race. What drew you and your team's attention to the event and not just, of course, raising donations and funds for the Dale Jr. Foundation? What was the motivation to be able to be able to take part in such an event for you and your organization? Well, obviously, raising money for the Dale Jr. Foundation was a big part of it. And uh, Blake, Blake is a cool guy. And I had a feeling that if he'd put together a pretty successful event and another another big part of it for me was i love the 1987 car and rockingham uh my one i've had a lot of success at rockingham it's my only road to pro win came at rockingham and now we can add this track to that list Mm -hmm. you mentioned you felt this race was your biggest win in your iRacing career so far you're someone who, minds you, has experienced the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. And even during this past campaign's Contender Series, showed the strength and as well had the confidence to try things different strategy-wise. How would you describe this victory overall then to why you feel that's the biggest overall with someone who's had plenty of experience as well too at multiple different levels? I just feel kind of exposure-wise this was my biggest win. Obviously, I still think making the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series in 2021 is my biggest accomplishment on iRacing, but this is probably my biggest win. Um, It's not every day you get to race against Dale Jr., Landon Castle, Anthony Alfredo, and um, Garrett Smithley all in one race, as well as Coke drivers, other talented people. people that really like the 1987 car. It's a really niche car. There's some things about that car that are just completely different from any other car on iRacing. And that all kind of just played a part into that race, that win being as big as it was. And of course, since even that time in 2021, you've been also someone who races in the real world when it comes to modified competition, racing on the tour in particular across various short track facilities. It seems to have really taken off this year, approaching throughout 2021 up to this current point. How's been the real world side of things going for you as well? Um, Last few years, well, I haven't really started racing this year, unfortunately, mm-hmm. due, to, due to the pandemic and other things. Our engine parts are, mm. have been kind of delayed in coming in, but... um. Last year, I had a really good first half of the year. My second half of the year was kind of iffy, but 2019, I had a solid year. I had a few top uh, top tens, some solid runs. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting started this year. Um, we should be getting our engine soon. I expect the race and probably in the month of June, eventually. So this essentially was leaning towards the next question originally because 
you were in amongst the listings for drivers racing for $15,000 to win event at Claremont Motorsports Park. Does that mean that's a no-go for the 55 then? We're trying to make a deal with someone at the moment, but it's not looking good. <laughs> um, I'd say I'd more realistically late June any modified racing series events or tri-track event whatever one comes up first i don't have the schedules right in front of me but mm. gotcha but. how would you describe the process of launching to to see sports for you and your team because of course there was a lot of shuffling in the background of this year's technical alliance alignments entering the month of january alone seeing your way heading towards that way by the start of the year well, Altus was gracious, gracious enough to take a pretty big group of guys from Nexus onto their team. Um, me, my, myself, Tucker Minter, Dave Walsh, Robert Miller, and uh, James Wenzel all moved from Nexus over to Altus for their mostly oval program because their oval program was pretty small. And we pretty much doubled the size of it with the addition of all of us and they were just it they've been super welcoming it's been a we've had a ton of success this year in top split and second split road to pro and i'm looking forward to what is coming with logitech g altus esports and the round two of road to pro and that leads to the big conversation since next week is the final race of the first round. You mentioned the big things coming for that top 70 bracket. How are you feeling for this year's second round where it's a little bit different this season in that there are multiple different road courses on the calendar for the second round this season? I honestly didn't even realize we were looking at road courses, but um, I've had a little bit of a confidence boost when it comes to road this year. And, I don't know where it came from. I've struggled with road in the past, but like with the eNASCAR College iRacing Series, I had a solid run at Watkins Glen. I finished like seventh. That was top five the whole, for major the first half of that race. And what I'm really looking forward to personally in the second round is uh, Dirt Bristol. I know every a lot of people are dreading it, but I really enjoy dirt racing, and as long as I keep my nose clean during that race, I think it'll be really enjoyable. For those wondering on that side of the card, currently, when it comes to Ryan set without the drop factored in, currently entering the final week of the season in about a week's time, inside the top 10, ninth position, inside the comfortable zone, and then some for the top 70 without the drop factor in by a good at least 500 plus points. With that, Ryan, what should we be looking from you or what should we be looking forward to seeing from you, should say, in the coming months when it comes to either the real world or the virtual world of racing when it comes to that Lanchiki Altus esports machine in the 77 or 55 in real life? Well, when it comes to iRacing, hopefully... Uh, success in the second round of Road to Pro and making it to the Pro Series. I've done it before. We've had success in the first half of Road to Pro, and this Road to Pro season has started to remind me of when I made Coke 
in 2021. And um, hopefully I can follow that path. But on the real world side, um, it's kind of still a mystery. Depends on when our parts come in. But hopefully you'll be able to see me anywhere on the in the coming months on the modified racing series in New England. I know we were running... Uh, I know we've got Oxford playing Speedway in August. I'm not sure where we go in July. So, Modified Racing Series and also the Tri-Track Modified Racing Series. Any of those events. Where can fans follow along with you on social media to keep up with the action then? Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter when it comes to my iRacing stuff. Uh, I believe my handle is RyanDuset77. And once once I know I get a bit better picture of my real life situation, I'll probably become more active on Facebook. Um, you can like us uh, like my racing team on Facebook at JDR Motorsports. Um, the page should have a picture of modified as a profile. Thank you very much once again for the time, Ryan. Congratulations on the victory once again in the Rockingham 508. All support the Dale Jr. Foundation. Congrats. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for having me on here. Again, that's Ryan Doucette of Logic Gialta C Sports, the winner from the Rockingham 508 at iRacing's virtual Rockingham facility in what was a thrower in the 1987 cars. Coming up after the break, the news of the week. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crossway Radio and the NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network presented by Crosswood Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince once again with you with Richard Goldbrett, the producer, as it's time to go through the news of the week. And a lot of action hit the virtual tracks across the platform this past week, starting to the Better Half Dash, organized once again by Motor Racing Outreach, at the charity event which was organized originally during last year, which seen many competitors take to the virtual track the significant others should say of many of the nascar stars and real world competitors took the virtual circuit from texas motor speedway to be able to race at the facility this past thursday on fs1 as part of nascar race hub several competitors made their way to the track including taylor nemacek kenzie hemrick as well as jessica eves Gring, jessica ives the race winner once again went the direction, though, of McCall Golding to become the back-to-back -back winner in the event's history, all raising funds for charity. The winning driver in McCall Golding was able to choose a $10,000 donation going to the direction to the charity of their respective choice. To learn more about how you can donate in the future for the 2022 Better Half I Racing Dash or future events through the MRO, go to go to. MRO.com. Plenty of our action is talked about coming up through the pipe, though, because it is a special time of the year if you are a fan of open wheel racing. The iRacing Indianapolis 500 mile race kicks off for its prime slot this upcoming Saturday, where the top drivers in open wheel competition look to battle it out to see who can win 200 lap featured action. Plenty of the top qualifiers amongst the platform looking to try and set themselves up are currently 
in progress around the facility amongst this year's contenders to watch for. Philip Krause, who has been one of the quickest drivers and the most dominant drivers in the Lionheart IndyCar series this campaign. Jacob Oster looks to try and showcase what he can do. Brandon Treno looks to add more to his legacy. And the 2021 winner of the Fake 500 in the Lotus 79, Seth DeMerchant, is amongst those trying to make a run in this year's event. Who will make the 33-car field? Who will be able to win in the biggest stage of opioid action on the iRacing service at iRacing's virtual Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Be sure to find out tomorrow. That's once again, May 21st. Coverage starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Racebot TV. Also coming to the pipe, the Porsche Tiger Esports Super Cup heads to the French countryside to look and zip their way around to the place where speeds can ever be more flowing. Last year, when it came to the French countryside, drama ensued when it came to pit strategy. Now it becomes a possible championship decider, the pre-ultimate round of the campaign. We'll see plenty of the competitors looking to fight it out amongst that championship hunt for this campaign. Keep in mind, it's been a different type of championship as discussed throughout the previous episodes. One driver who has not picked up a feature win is Diego Pinto. He's the points leader, however, as he is one of two drivers with seven top tens and six top fives and has the best average finish of the season. That has seen him pick up nearly 30 points, 35 points plus over Kevin Ellis Jr. entering the pre-ultimate round. Sebastian Job also currently tries to keep himself math mathematically eligible. Currently with 379 points, about 60 back. He needs a strong round and some luck for him and Zach Campbell to keep within the championship clutches. To find out more about that action and be able to see the action live, be sure to tune in on iRacing social media platforms. On May the 21st, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, the pro drivers with the racetrack at 1.30, it'll be the All-Stars who will be going racing as well from the French countryside, all to set things up. Traditional closer at Autodroma National Monza and the coming up weeks. With that though, it's time to say goodbye. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the iRacers Download, the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosby Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. For our producer Richard Colbrett, for Taylor Burris, who is in Texas, Justin Prince saying so long. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the racing on the track. We'll see you next time.